podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, and my mate, James Jones. And here we are, another bank holiday Monday morning, sitting, having a chat about all things Hammers. And I don't know about you, but I am worried. West Ham United nil, Everton won at Goodison Park. Neil Mopay, of course, scoring. Someone didn't tell him before the game that he doesn't play for Brighton anymore. So therefore, he doesn't always have to beat West Ham every single time but he plays against them he obviously didn't get that memo tidy finish in the second half gave struggling Everton a vital win won uh, three points that West Ham would also have dearly loved that win moves Everton up into 13th three points ahead of the flailing Hammers who are 18th in the Premier League in the relegation zone with four points minus six goal difference just one win and a draw from their opening seven Premier League games. It really is not looking good at the moment. Big, big concerns around London Stadium. Wolves at home is the next game up on the 1st of October. Okay, yes, we did beat Silkeborg away in the Europa League on Thursday night, but even that wasn't a convincing performance. 3-2, some concerns on Twitter after the game. We all know that Twitter isn't the place to go for sound, reasonable, reasoned arguments around anything, really, let alone football. But one place that I always go to for just a little bit of sanity, whether it's football or life in general, is my mate James Jones. Jonesy, great to see you again, mate. I don't know what to say. I don't know. It's worrying, isn't it? Is it worrying? Are you worried, Jonesy? Tell me. Well, I wasn't worried. Going into the Everton game, I just, I, I just didn't really, didn't really felt like we were seeing some good signs. Yeah, we were seeing some good signs. Obviously, the performance at Chelsea, the performance against Spurs, uh, just felt like, yeah, like and even the second half at Villa. Yeah, we begin to see just, just some really, really positive signs that you know we're gonna, we're gonna return to the West End that we've been so used to enjoying over the last two years. And then they turn in a performance like that away at a team that hasn't won all season and is just like desperate for three points and like they're there for the taking. And they were, and they were not good, Everton, were they? It wasn't no. like they were really good value for them. No, I mean, I mean, I missed the game. I've, I've seen extended highlights and I missed the game I was at a family party, but I, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I do, do you know what? I do understand, but I don't understand why it's happening. Like why why are we now here? Like it was a fantastic two years. Does it have to just be two years of fun before we just revert back to same old West Ham? Or can we just have a little bit more? You know, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I know we'll get into it in a little bit more detail, but so many things need to change, and a lot of it goes that is down to Moyes to actually decide to make to change those things. It's all down to him. Um, Is he one of the things that needs to change? Well, I don't think, I think it'd be wise to, to make that call right now. Um, I've seen it. I've been 
I've looked on Twitter this morning. There's a lot of people going, forget the fact he's got credit in the bank. Um, he's too stubborn. It's not going to change, blah, blah. And I, I understand that. Um, but what yeah, well, I don't want, I don't want us to do is just go, oh, it's not working anymore. So let's just change the manager. Like, I think if it gets to the point where we're, we're going into the World Cup hmm. period, which, by the way, is the best time to make a managerial change during that period because you've got six six to eight weeks of nothing, six weeks of nothing, um, perfect opportunity for a manager to get his feet you know, in the door and, and work things out. Um, but if we get to that point and we're still in trouble and there's still no signs of improvement and we've not picked up wins, the next three fixtures are massive. Wolves, Fulham, both at home and Southampton away, got to win those. Um, at least seven out of those nine uh, we need to pick up. If we go into that World Cup, still in the position that we're in or without any signs of improvement, then I do fear that a change will need to be made. And that breaks my heart to say, because that man has given us all some incredible memories over the last two years. But if we want those memories to continue, then something's got to be done. Mm. And um, at the moment, I'm beginning to, I'm now beginning to worry a little bit because it seems to be, doesn't seem to be much action coming from David Moyes in terms of tactics, team selection and substitutes. And at the end of the day, if you don't make changes to those effectively, then you're not going to win football matches. No, this much is true, Jonesy. Look, we'll, we'll get onto that in a little while. We've got a, uh, we've only got two games to look back on today. Uh, as we mentioned, it's Bank Holiday Monday. The international break is coming up. So yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll have an extended look back, and we'll have a bit more of a chat in that Everton section about David Moyes and the manager and and what has to change going forward um first of all Jonesy I did just want to say as I mentioned we've sort of we've done this again sorry I don't know what's going on this is why you you understand why I can't get my words out in a minute uh I've rolled out of bed once again to do this podcast these new early morning bank holiday ones don't really sit well with my body clock the midday ones we do usually uh suit me just fine um, but 9.30 a.m. start is a little bit too uh, adventurous for my liking. Um, I had a dream, Jonesy, just before I woke up, um, that uh, one of, a friend of mine was house-sitting for Ricky Gervais while he was on holiday. Naturally. Me and, me, no, of course, yeah. He, me and some of my other friends went round there, had a big party. Didn't trash it, but it wasn't super tidy, you know what I mean? And then Ricky Gervais came back from holiday a day early, when we just started tidying everything up, he came home, saw his house was in a complete mess and had a massive go at me. Um, and I was really upset because I, Ricky Gervais is my favourite comedian. I absolutely love him. I think he's a genius. And I really want him to like me in real life or in my dreams. And, uh, and he didn't. So I don't know. Um, oh, and also I had a, a, another dream the night before that an ex-girlfriend of mine um, we were back together. She cheated on me with Jude Bellingham at Roger Federer's house, who's just retired from tennis. Uh, I was just wondering, Jonesy, just to sort of start off on a slightly different note, if there's anything you can read into that, because dreams are supposed to tell you stuff about your, your psyche or um, you know, just wonder if you had any insight for me on those. I, I'm not an expert on the meaning of dreams, <laughs> if I'm honest, mate. Uh, I can't. No, the only thing I know about dreams is that apparently... Apparently, if you die in your dreams, you die in real life. Apparently, that's a that's a thing. 
And that's all I can tell you. So as long as you weren't anywhere close to death in those two experiences, right. then I'm pretty sure you're okay. I don't think it means well, anything at all. Hang on a minute. What do you mean? I've died in dreams before. Have you? Yeah. I've been eaten by wolves. I've done the thing where you like fall off a cliff or whatever and you fall in for ages. Yeah, but you don't know. I mean, the fact you wake up before you land though, right? With those falling dreams. I've had loads of those. You kind of jumped, didn't you? You jumped <clears> a little bit. But the eaten by wolves one, I may woke up before I actually died, like, but I was on the way to dying. I was getting yeah, eaten. Yeah, but that's it. Like the fact that you've woken up before you've died means that you're still alive, actually still alive. Well, I mean, for someone who's not a dream expert, that seems like quite a niche fact to know. Yeah, I've, I don't know where I, 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 use, I use the word fact very, very loosely there, by the way. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Google it. I suppose Google now. Google knows yeah, it. yeah. But I mean, the, the reason why I might, I remember I did a little bit of research into dreams a, a long while ago. I don't remember a great deal of it because I did have a dream once that I was shot by a guy on the back of a like a Mad Max style car with a big machine gun on the top of it. Yeah. And I don't know what was going. I can't really remember a great deal of why why he was there pointing a machine gun at me. But it was mm-hmm. it was like an Armageddon type scenario where yeah. the world was ending and um this Boreham, guy Borumwood had descended into chaos yeah, yeah. This, running around um and this guy just appears with a big machine gun and shoots me um and he i mean he gets me very well actually right in my chest lots of bullets mm-hmm. in my chest but i i suddenly am, i'm woken up by a load of sharp pains in my chest all in different areas in my chest right and that that pain was real like i, I could in- feel You'd like, woke up and there was pain. Yeah. And for a good couple of hours after, I could still feel a, a, a kind of feeling in my chest as if, some, as if those shots were actual gunshots on me. Obviously, I didn't have any... Were you bleeding? Were you bleeding? Did you have I any bleeding? I had no other shot wounds. But for a good few hours after, I still had this like subconscious feeling. It wasn't just like my whole chest. It was like little dots in my chest where I was, I was supposedly shot in my dreams. I could still feel them. Um, so I was like, what, what's that all about? So I did a bit of research, couldn't really find anything about it. Um, but that was one thing I read was that but yeah, I, if, you, if you die in yeah. a dream, you die in real life. All oh, right, okay, fair enough. Well, I'm not so sure about that. So I, I think, <laughs> um, yeah, I was just sort of wary about officially advising people that's what no. happened. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, you do, I do the thing, and this happened recently a couple of times, where you like something happens in your dream that's really sad, and you start crying, and then you wake up actually crying. Yeah, Does that happen? Um, once or twice, so like, I think. Maybe. Yeah, the emotions carry through. Um, but anyway, look, I think this is a. Uh, I just just wanted to let you know. Really, I've just woken up. It was one of those ones you have just before. Um, just before you open your eyes, I didn't have anyone else to tell about it, so I thought it, I'd tell you. Is, is it like really vivid as well? Like, can you still remember it now? Yeah, like, I can. Li- Ricky Gervais had like, me. Could have been real life. Ricky Gervais had me by the shoulders in this well swish apartment that he had, um, which also happened to be just off of the grounds of my old secondary school, um, which I, at some point in the dream I went for a walk back through. Uh, I'm not really sure why, um, and my housemate um he who's 26 by the way um was taking classes at my old secondary school with all the like 15 year olds which was a bit strange but um yeah and that had no real relevance to the ricky gervais thing it was just sort of a thing i did in between getting out of go by ricky gervais and frantically trying to tidy up his house yeah 
Strange. Very surreal. I've I've had a couple with previously where for for a lot for a while after I've kind of I've had to just try and remind myself that that what I dreamt about wasn't actually real mm. because it was so vivid and so clear to the point where I've had to kind of like almost like double double remind myself that no that didn't happen but things right yeah yeah, I was just yeah. Um, and that's quite unnerving actually because you kind of yeah, you kind of second guess yourself a little bit. Like, did that really happen? Did it not? But yeah, yeah. yeah fair enough. Listen, mate. I think what what's happened here, um, not just you, but anyone listening at home, uh, is going, "What the hell are you two talking?" There's Twelve minutes of forty-two seconds into this recording, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> you two have briefly mentioned Evan, um, <laughs> and just jambled, rambled on about James. I think what it is, but an absolutely lovely message in from Robin Punter this week who's a regular listener to the podcast um who said to me and jonesy at we are west Ham, well done and congratulations on a great pod this week the respectful first hour was wonderful to listen to i hope you guys don't get any abuse for talking about a non-west Ham subject for an hour <laughs> like many i'm not a royalist uh, brackets i actually hate that phrase but it was good to hear two people in harmony sharing their thoughts on such a momentous occasion some things are bigger than sport and while I don't agree with the postponements of the games, I do understand why they did it. Keep up the good work. It was refreshing to hear something different from you two. Uh, I mean, thanks very much to Robin. A really kind words. It was nice to hear that message because I'll be honest, I was a little bit sort of nervous about that that stuff. But so that was nice to hear. Um, do you think, Jones, I've perhaps let that go to my head uh, and sort of let those let that uh, sentiment from Robin go to my head and that I am actually thinking or started to believe that I am actually interesting beyond what I have to say uh, on West Ham because um, the idea of a, of a We Are West Ham spin-off Will Pugh and James Jones where they just talk about completely non-football related topics. I know we've had some like absolute stinkers with email admin uh, and sheds before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like maybe we did a reasonable job with the Queen stuff last week um, and I've let it go to my head and I've decided that 14 minutes, 20 seconds of dream chat is acceptable for a football podcast. No, I th- I, I, mate, if I'm honest, I think it, it, it adds a little bit of character to the pod, you know, particularly, <laughs> given, particularly given that West Ham is so rubbish at the moment. No one wants to listen to it. No, no one cares. Let's just, let's just check out something. <laughs> else. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and Pete, I, I'm pretty sure, I mean, Robin's a good example of that and I, I thanks to Robin for, um, for those words. Really, really appreciate it, but if you actually look at one of our, I think it's the, the, the most recent review on iTunes for our podcast. Mm. And it's like, literally all it is, is it's 15 minutes in, you're still talking about your email. Sort it out, Will. Yes. People clearly love it. Giving the people what they want, mate. Yeah. <laughs> giving the people what they want. Right, well, look, we'll, we'll move on to Evan in a, bit, in a minute. How have you been, James? Have you been, you got anything exciting to tell me outside of the, the dream stuff? Have you got anything exciting to offer? Uh, no, not really. Just been, just been really busy. Work's very busy. Uh, home life's very busy. Found um, out your cladding's going to be sorted. Yeah, huge. Yeah, yeah. We're really pleased with that. Obviously, for those that don't know, we're we are victims of the the cladding. <laughs> those who don't know, I eat everyone yeah. because yeah. why would you know that about Joe? Yeah. On a football podcast. <laughs> yeah, we we are we are victims of the cladding issue. We moved into our our new build flat about three weeks before Grenfell, um, and just assumed that everything would be fine. Um, and then it turned out that one of our neighbours 
sale fell through right the last minute about two and a half years ago and ever since then it's been been a bit of a nightmare but yesterday we found out that it's all going to be paid for it's all going to be fixed at the beginning of next year and um we can actually sell our flat now which is uh, a huge relief given we live in a one-bed flat with a two-year-old yeah so <laughs> yeah very pleased for you mate very pleased for you um on a slightly light note and how's this for a link uh between the sort of personal um life chat of dreams and cladding into a, a, you you won't even notice right this would be such a subtle move into football um but i i've made my sunday league debut for Pearly St. Germain at the weekend on Sunday. 3-1 victory over Sandersted. Um, no direct goal contributions. Some uh, absolute dazzling footwork did tie the Sandersted left back in knots. And I won the corner that we scored the opening goal from. Um, yeah, and then my decoy run um, for the short corner after that. Drew the biggest defender out. Ball gets swung in the middle to put us 3-1 up. All in all... A wonderful afternoon, but I did forget quite how combative. I've been basically haven't played the eleven side for about I don't know seven years. I don't think like properly, um, as in actual league football, just play eight and uh, nine asides during the week or whatever. Um, and I forgot how combative it is. How you have to challenge for way more balls, win way more headers, and not very good in the air. And how people wear studs rather than mm. Astro. So if you go up for fifty fifties and kick the bottom of their boot, which I did yesterday. You get huge, whopping great bruises on your feet. And, yeah, I'm in absolute pieces today. And I thought what? I was in the prime of my life, age 30. Where did you play? What position? Uh, right mid yesterday. Yeah, I'm very, very much an inverted uh, coming in off the left with, onto my right foot usually, but uh, or up front. But, yeah, right right mid. We could do with a new right mid, given our, our current right mid is bang out of form. At the moment, yeah, so that's <laughs> Yeah, Moisey does like the inverted style, though, doesn't he? Left footer on the right, right footer on the left. True. Well, a, a, a left side isn't is, isn't much better. So no, no, know, true. Yeah, I'll give him a ring. And I went, obviously went tra went training at the um, at Chadwell Heath earlier this year as well. Yeah. So through Betway, our charity partners, and to be honest, mate, didn't do cover myself. Well, I, I I covered myself in glory. Then there were preliminary talks about a pro contract but obviously I was too committed to the podcast and uh, mm. my career as a as a sports journalist to um to, to take them up on the offer Fair but perhaps I re yeah perhaps I'll reconsider now mate yeah. right I think we've put it off long enough James I'm really sorry but we're gonna have to talk about Everton 18 minutes 49 seconds into this podcast recorded we've only briefly mentioned it but we're gonna have to go into it in more detail I'm afraid next So, 1-0 defeat, Jonesy. Uh, just a reminder, by the way, we didn't do this last week uh, and I didn't do it in the first section either, but you can follow We Are West Ham uh, on social media. We're Twitter, we're at We Are underscore West Ham. James is at by James Jones and I'm at William Pugh underscore. Uh, you can get us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Just search We Are West Ham podcast and you can email us if you so wish at We Are West Ham pod at gmail.com where we are West Ham pod on Instagram as well. Don't forget you can buy us a beer and support the podcast. If you so wish at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. The money goes straight to me and Jonesy. All of it goes straight to me and Jonesy and we only ever spend it on stuff 
to make the podcast better for you, be that equipment or guest fees uh, uh, or over the bar, which me and Jonesy did together uh, in King's Cross a couple of weeks ago uh, to have a chat and a catch up and watch the football, which was very nice indeed. So those beers are a fiver each. You can buy as few or as many as you like at buymeacoffee.com slash we are West Ham. Jonesy, the Everton game. 1-0 defeat. I know we haven't always had a great record um, at Goodison Park. We lost 1-0. Neil Mopay with the goal. We just, I mean, I know Saeed Benrahma hit the post late on. We just didn't look very good. So, I don't know. You tell me. I, I like to do this every now and then. You tell me which way round you want to do this. Do we go game first? Just have a look at the game and then talk bigger picture, or do we talk bigger picture than game? I think it's game first. Yeah, it's, it, I suppose we can do game first. I mean, as, as I said earlier, I didn't. I watched it in in its entirety. I was, I was busy with the family a bit yesterday, so I've only watched extended highlights. Um, so I don't know whether you watched the whole thing. You're probably be, you're probably best placed to to give a, a better analysis. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was rubbish. <laughs> nice, nice analysis. There's, like there's a detailed Cutting analysis. Edge, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um no, it was funny. I had um I had invited my my family, my parents and my sister and her boyfriend round to mine specifically into to watch the to watch the game um and then to have, have the old cook them dinner afterwards was the was the plan. Um but I'll be honest, I just it was so bad. I just used the re, the excuse that I had dinner to cook to just start it during the game because it was just dross. It was absolutely garbage. Just from the off, and, and again, and the the thing is, it was one of those games as well. I spoke to one of my friends who's a Tottenham fan uh, yesterday, and he was saying he started watching it. It was a terrible game for the neutral as well. He said he started watching it, just turned it off because. Both teams were rubbish. Both teams were rubbish. Everton, I mean, you know, don't get it wrong, or round mixed up or round the wrong way or whatever, been, they'll still be in trouble this season. They were pants as well. So two teams clearly struggling for a bit, but they seem to want it a little bit more. And what I, what I think, and my dad made the astute observation, and he's right, was that just nothing seems to be clicking. Any, they don't seem like a team of players who know what the other one's doing and, uh, you know, especially on the ball, whenever we, we have the ball and we'd be breaking, you mentioned about Bowen's form. He didn't look too bad yesterday. He sort of had a couple of half chances. He was getting in positions and running with the ball, but he wasn't great. I mean, you know, nowhere near the Jared Bowen we've seen before. But the amount of passes that, you know, I don't, I'm not sure what it is because a lot of these players played together last season you only had uh if, if i'm not mistaken here yeah you only had two new for lucas paqueta and uh thilo Kera were the only players who didn't play with the team last season in the starting lineup yesterday at everton and yet still you had this weird odd thing where players were just like they'd go to pass and someone will have already run in the opposite direction. Or the player would put the ball into the channel, but the player, had, the, the his intended target had like held up to go for the short ball. 
just like whether communication channels have gone or whether there's been some changes in the style of play and not every, or like Moyes is implementing some tactical changes and not everyone's quite caught up with it or whatever. I think Thomas Suchek, uh, there was a, a tweet, Duncan Wright, my former colleague, um, former sports journalist, he's in PR now, but he, he tweeted yesterday about the need to to swap Suchek out and just saying how and lots of the comments there were quite interesting, actually. It wasn't just vitriolic abuse for a change. Uh, and some of them, interestingly, just saying, you know, Thomas Suchek was great. Um the, the partnership with Declan Rice is an odd one because I think Rice's desire to get forward a bit more uh, and not just be that holding man has held Suchek back. Teams had learned how to play against him because he was a bit of a surprise package when he first came in. His confidence seems a little bit low as well. And he's not very good on the ball, is he? So, you know, he's he was most effective at West Ham when he's like steaming into the box and everyone's going, oh God, what are we going to do with this six foot five giant? Um, and he's but he's not allowed to do that anymore, really. Or he, as sort of playing as the hundred percent holding midfielder doesn't really suit him, does it? Mm. Um, so Suchek wasn't great. I mean, no one was great, James. Let's be honest. Um, their goal was a good goal, Everton's goal. Good I would finish. say that. Yeah, it was a really nice finish. Um, he controlled it in a tight area. You couldn't really moan at any of the defenders there. Uh, he, he controls it, it bounces up awkwardly for him as he's turning and he manages to volley it in right in the bottom corner. You can't moan at Fabianski, decent goal. Um, we hit the post, so it's not like they were all over us. It's just one of those really where you're like, oh, we could have done with... Whereas at Villa, we probably played no worse really than we did in the first half at Aston Villa. We just got we a luck. In the second and we, yeah, and we definitely did there. Huge deflected goal. Um, so as I was saying last season, you'd rather win one and lose one than draw two. Mm. And those our performances, especially against a quality of opposition, probably warranted two draws out of those games. But I don't know, James. It's it's really difficult to to put a finger on it. I don't know whether I'm not sure what it is. I don't know what it is really. People are going, oh, we were just overplaying. We were playing above ourselves last season. I'm not so sure. Really, I think the, you know what is worrying, Skamaka, he came on and people again, again, Antonio wasn't very good, but he came on, Skamaka, and he already, <laughs> even though he scored in the week, looks like a bit shy on confidence. And you can just feel that West Ham striker curse oozing out of him already. <laughs> and that is really worrying. Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. I'm not sure. I know Everton's... So it's a difficult place to go. But the confidence looks like it's draining away. Everyone's just missing each other a bit. And like on a slightly different wavelength, it seems, which makes us look a bit truncated and awkward. And yeah, and I, I don't know. You sort of just... Like even the Europa League stuff, which we're doing well in, you just think, oh, what's, what's going to happen here? Because... You're getting it like one win from seven. Mm. Yeah, I think there are some some things that some decisions that need to be made that are staring everyone in the face, apart from Moyes. Um, I hate I hate the fact that it appears like 
it appears as though there are a number of teams in that in that starting eleven that appear to be undroppable in Moyes' eyes. And we're seven games in, we've only won one. Okay, we probably should have more. How many? Seven, did you say? Seven game seven games in, we've only won yeah, one sorry. game. There's yeah. seven players who are undroppable. Um, well, I mean, it can't be far off that, if I'm honest, mate. But, right. um, yeah, okay, we should probably have more than four points on the board if you take into account what happened at Chelsea, how unlucky we were against Forest. Um, but there are players in that starting 11, particularly the one that faced Everton, right, that shouldn't be in the starting 11 at this moment in time. Like mm. Tom Suchek, you've mentioned him before. Um, shouldn't be in the starting eleven. He played 55 games last season. He's played every single game this season. I think maybe he, there's one Conference League game he hasn't played. He almost always starts for the Czech Republic as well, mate. Yeah. So like his international games, he plays most of those. The guy hasn't been good for us for six months, mm. right? At least six months, right? And you're right. At the moment, we want to get Declan Rice a little bit further up the field, which makes sense because we know he's we know he's good, but. But if you're going to do that, Suchek's the wrong central midfield partner. That's why I thought we bought Flynn Downs. Oh, I knew you would. Oh, right. no. Oh, what do you no. mean? What do you mean, no? Oh, no. What do you mean, no? Oh, like, here we go. You're bought, just wondering. Everyone else on Twitter is doing the exact same thing. And it's like a, We bought a central midfielder, right? From the chinship. Like, I... I, I I understand. Well, but just I don't, I don't buy the off the championship. Like, we bought Antonio from the championship. He's now scored more goals than anyone else for us in the Premier League. We bought Cresswell from the championship. He's played three hundred yeah, games Bowen. for us. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the whole from the championship thing, I, I don't, I don't really buy. The fact is, we've bought him. Right. He plays in that position, and he plays that position far better than Suchek does. He's he's more defensively minded. Than but we Suchek. don't know that, do we? Like, is, we don't know that. He's, he's unproven at Premier League level. That's I do what he's understand. been doing, right, for Swansea and for Ipswich, right? That's <laughs> what he's been doing. That's the role he's been playing, is a holding midfield role. That's hmm. the role he played against um, Stoia Bucharest or FCSB, whatever they're called these days, right? That's what he... And he did it very well. Okay, it was only against mid-table Romanian opposition. It wasn't against the Premier League side. But he played that role very well. Why is he not... Exactly. Why is he not being given a chance instead of a player that clearly is out of confidence, is knackered, right, and isn't good at the role he's being asked to play at this very moment in time? Right, Mm. give him a go. Um, Do you genuinely, not genuinely though? Do you think it's his danger or, well, supposed danger at set pieces? It probably is, yeah. It, it, it might just be that. I don't know. I mean, if it is that, that worries me even more because it's like, well, you don't, you don't win football <laughs> matches at set pieces. Football well, matches, we, we, we did though, didn't well, we? We did, yeah. Game. But at the same time, we knew how to kind of, we, we were pretty good in midfield. And if you can't kind of, you know, be good in midfield, you're not going to win many, many games. Hmm. Um, so we had the balance quite right then when it was working. Uh, but the fact is that he's not even good at set pieces recently. So, like, Drop him for a little bit. The same goes for Jared Bowen. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, and you went, can't drop him, can't drop him. We've got to drop him. The guy's had 15 shots. I was looking at it earlier. He's had 15 shots all season. He's played every single Premier League game. He's had 15 mm. shots, one on target. Right? Right. guy scored 19 goals last season. He's not... It's not because he's not trying. I mean, uh, no, he, he has been trying. He's just out of form. Simple as that. Right, the guy's out of form. Human son effect. 
exactly what I was about to say. Human Son, yes, been out of form for six games, gets put on the bench for the seventh game. He comes off the bench and bangs in three goals in 14 minutes. I'm not saying Bowen's going to do that. But if you drop a player and you go, right, you, you aren't untouchable now. Mm. I will drop you if you're out of form. It gives them that impetus and that hunger to when they finally get back on the pitch to prove the manager wrong. Son did it at the weekend. And I'm pretty sure Bowen's the type of player that would, you know, it, it'd, give him, it, it'd have a similar effect on him. Um, do you think? So, I, yeah. I, I generally think, I mean, he's a hungry player. Like, we saw that last season. But he's another one that played over 50 games last year. And now he's starting every game this year, even though we've straight, we, we've, brought in, we've brought in squad depth. He played 60 games if you include England. No, but Bowen's just got in the England squad. Yeah. Yeah. I, but, I, I, which is intriguing, isn't it? Because he hasn't been good this season. Right, but Harry, I also Harry understand why. Squad, like, it's not down to form, is it? No, but Harry Maguire's proven himself to Gareth Southgate and his country over an extended period of time. Bowen had one shot, was reasonably out. He was perfectly fine for England, wasn't he? He didn't do anything spectacular. It's not based on current form, though, is it? No, but what is it? That's what I'm saying. I understand why Maguire still gets in, because he's performed for Southgate and for England over a long period of time. But Southgate obviously sees something in Bowen, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, Bowen is good enough. Bowen is good enough. Bowen is good enough to play for England, but he's not—he's not been informed this season. Mm. He's not. I understand why Moisey keeps him in. It's all I'm saying is because I think, unlike with Fournells, who if he has a good game, he's still unlikely to score. A good game for Fournells doesn't automatically include goals or assists, does it? Which sounds yeah. silly for an attacking player, but he does so much more. But Bowen's not so much like that, is he? A good goal for Bowen. A good game for Bowen, it includes goals and assists, doesn't it? Which so I understand why he leaves need. him on there. Yeah, but we need goals and assists. We've only scored three goals in the Premier League this season, mm. um, so we need goals and assists. At the moment, he's not providing those goals and assists. So like, go on then, James. Some, someone ne- like next game, what's the front line look like? The front four, the attacking well, midfield three, and then behind who? I'd start Cornet. The guy yeah. frustrated the life out of me against Silkeborg. Right, the guy, okay, he won the penalty. I mean, it could have been anyone being pushed over in the back, but right, he <laughs> frustrated anyone anyway, up for a header with a goalkeeper <laughs> and frust- fouling the keeper. Yeah, he just frustrated the life out of me. It's super. I saw a lot of people saying how good he was. Like, there were, there were parts in that game where it just really frustrated me. But mm. the guy's played fifth, I think I looked earlier, 58 minutes of Premier League football for us. Right, he's already had five shots. Right, we need someone like who's. Shooting more is what I'm saying. He's, mm. he's, he's putting more shots on average than Bowen is. Bowen's out of form. So where confidence. does he play, right or right or left? Oh, stick him on the right. Stick him on the right. You know, I, I, Ben Rama again, once again, comes off the bench and looks lively. Start him, but don't just start him for one game. Like it's pointless. Like you need to give these players runs of games, proper runs of games. Um. The whole thing with Skamaka, like, I don't. All right. Who are we having? At, you having Paqueta then at ten? I'm having Paqueta at ten hundred percent. You don't pay fifty million quid for a geezer and only play again. You only play for an hour every week. Like, what's the point? Well, his fitness might be. Come on, give him a chance. I'm He's not having a fitness. fitness. He, he had a pre-season right? with Leon. Um, so yeah, okay. right, I don't know. <laughs> and then Skamaka. So go on. You're telling me Corne, Paqueta, Corne, Paqueta, and Ben Rama. Yeah, ben Rama. Left. Yeah, Fine. yeah, and then. You play Skamaka. 
Antonio off the bench. Um, mm. The reason why I say Scamacca over Antonio, well, Antonio, um, I think now is going to be more effective off the bench long, long, long term. I think Scamacca needs game time. Right? Again, he's coming off the bench for 25 minutes a game and expected to, you know, it's, it's Hallam Mark two at the moment. And what's the point of that, doing that all over again? Mm. Um give him a run of games. All, he's, all he needs is a Premier League goal and I think he'll be up and running. But again, I still don't think we're, we're really playing to his strengths. Same thing with Haller. Worries me that we're going down that road again. Um, play Downs instead of Rice in midfield. Uh, and I would swap... Instead uh, of Rice? Uh, sorry, not, not Rice, Suchek, sorry. Um, and then I would... Uh, Emerson, say the one I think you're gonna... Emerson oh. for Criswell. Oh. And that, this is the thing that annoyed me yesterday the most. Is that I was looking at looking at the uh, like the, the the summary of the game. We're one 0 down, right? I mean, in the second minute of seven added minutes, right? And he's bringing on Emerson for Chriswell. <laughs> what on earth are you doing, Dave? Like, come on, mate, have a wobble yourself. We need to go. We need to score a goal. We need to score a goal. <laughs> And you just you just dropping your left backs like for life. Yeah, but he is he is slightly oh, more attacking, isn't he? I suppose. I mean, slightly more attacking from a defensive standpoint. Like, David, he's more of like a wing back winger than like Lanzini on, or I don't know, whatever. Or like, we need a goal, Dave. You know, we don't need to stop anymore. We've already we've already one nil down. Forget <laughs> the left backs. So yeah, I mean, and I just I think that <laughs> I, I love yeah. I love Cresswell. Um, I love him, but again, I don't. I don't think he's offering us what he did before. He's not putting uh, half as many crosses in as he used to. Um, I, I just don't think it's effective as effective as he used to be. And I think you, again, you've bought a new player, play him. Like we've bought these footballers, these actual footballers that we were desperate for last year to to compete and be in our starting eleven and. and improve our squad at the moment they're getting 20 minutes a game 30 minutes a game three minutes a game in the case of Emerson against Everton pointless substitutions just don't bother with it like that's what's frustrating me the most and there's just so many things that are staring me and so many other fans in the face and it should be staring David Moyes in the face so many players that yes brilliant but they're out of form they're out of confidence and they have to be dropped as a result otherwise we're going to be sitting here in three weeks time moaning because the same things happen against Wolves at home we've been beaten 1-0 mm. same thing against Fulham um, both teams by the way look very good this season I know Wolves have struggled for wins but they've looked good um, Fulham looks superb right they're not going to be easy home games and then we've got to go to Southampton right we're banging trouble if he doesn't change if he doesn't make these decisions <clears throat> Yeah, uh, do you? Is there any of you that thinks all of that is a little bit reaction? That because that sounds like quite wholesale, like turf loads of them out, get loads of them in. And is there any part of you? And I, I kind of understand. Moisey's obviously errs on the side of caution when it comes to bedding in new players, right? Whether you agree with that or not, that's what he does. Um, with some. At some clubs and with some players, that is necessary and worthwhile because he doesn't want to throw them into an environment they're not ready for and destroy their confidence. So I understand that. Genuinely, I do understand that. And I think 
even Skamaka, right? He scored against Silkeborg. It was a good goal. He didn't goal. do a great deal other than that. Brilliant goal, yeah. He didn't do a great deal other than that. But I sort of think, well, does that matter? Probably not. Because he's here to score, really. Uh, so do you just give him another go again in the Prem? Um, but then if Moisey's of the opinion that he's not ready... And he does. I do understand it, like because of what we saw with Haller or whatever. Uh, I, I don't know. And I, the you said about Emerson there. A, I don't feel Cresswell's doing anything that wrong. Like unlike Suchik, where I think, come on, like it's time. He's not doing anything wrong, but he's not offering half as much as what he used to. I just think so I think Moisey bought. Yeah, but I think Moisey bought Emerson more for playing in a in a five. To be honest, like as a left work. fullback. Five doesn't well, work. Yeah, but then I, I, I would worry about having Emerson as the left back in a four. Genuinely, no, I would. He, he was better at Chelsea in a five as a wing back. He's a bit. He, he, he's very much gives me like Arthur Masuaku only good vibes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like good that vibes, yeah. Yeah, when he's just yeah. playing left back rather than left yeah. wing back in the four rather than the five you worry so you know there's a bit more at play there he's throwing Paqueta in and he's again he's looking all right isn't he but he's offering no more than Lanzini did last year and I, I don't know I just think it's easy to say all those things you've said but I don't necessarily if if next guy Cornet and Ben Rama but even him mate Ben Rama how many times has he been given a, an opportunity a decent opportunity and just like just been average again. Like he's always, he's that weird, he Scored. falls into that weird space in between, doesn't he? 12 goals last year though. Yeah, yeah, no, no, but listen, but how many games did he also play and start as well where he's just like, nah, what are you doing, mate? Like, be honest, he was a very much like Yossi Benayoun vibe sometimes, isn't he? Where he does something decent and everyone goes, oh, Ben Rahm ben should start every game and then he starts the next three and you might as well, you might as well not be on the pitch. Like he, he falls in that weird space in between a lot of players this season, though. Yeah, no, but last season, I mean, until when we yeah, were yeah, really yeah. good, and he just falls in that weird space between, yeah, should be a guaranteed starter, but don't really do enough when you do start. He's almost like you do too much to be on the bench as much as you are, but you don't do enough when you do start to be like a one hundred percent starter each and every week. Uh, people even dig, digging out. Uh, so, but I agree with you on Cornet. I think, all right, even Lanzini's like looking. I know he's rubbish against Man City, but he was good last year. I wouldn't mind seeing him in there again. Uh, the Skamaka and it just feels like all of a sudden, Jonesy, like someone was saying to Moisey the other day, I think it was after, um, I think it was after the Silkeborg game. Just saying, oh, you know, you must be pleased with the squad depth you've got now because the quality of the players you're bringing on is the same as the ones you took off. And I was looking at that going, yeah, it is, but you're taking off a 7 out of 10 and putting on another 7 out of 10. Uh, you'd almost rather be in a position where, like last year, you had, well, Pablo Fornells and Jared Bowen are putting in nines every week. Manuel Lanzini's putting in an eight most weeks. And then you've got some players who aren't playing as well as those off the bench it's not like the bench players have gone up to the level mm. <laughs> the starters mm. are at the starters have dropped down and then you've got Antonio and Skamaka which at the moment 
feels like the choice between two six out of tens. I would personally do with what you say and go, well, let's just try the unknown quantity then and see if a run of two or three games gives Skamaka that, that boost. But as we've seen, mate, and especially as it more and more games go on, David Moyes hasn't got time to... That's where panic sets in, isn't it? He hasn't got time to give underperforming players a run of games. He hasn't got the time to do that, has he? Because he needs goals. If Skamaka's not doing it right now, he'll need to put Antonio in. Or this, if Antonio's this is not doing it, vice versa. The thing that you can't afford to be playing... You're right. You can't afford to be play, putting in un, underperforming players. But he's, he's still picking those underperforming players in Bowen, Suchek. But, um, yeah. Like so, they're yes. still they're still being picked. They're still being picked. Um, so he either continues with those players, just hopes they just start they find a bit of confidence from somewhere and start banging goals in like they did last season. And Suchek suddenly becomes a, a top class holding midfielder and allows Rice to go forward. Unlikely. Um, or he, he does what a manager should do and go right. I'm going to make a decision here, but I'm gonna, I'm going to make a decision. And nine times out of ten, you make a decision like that, and you you, you show some of your, your your regulars that played fifty or games last season, right? That they're no longer untouchable in that starting eleven. You suddenly you, you find a bit of competition in, in that in that squad. You find a little bit of hunger, a little bit of you know, right? I want to get back into the team. Okay, yeah. And that's 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 what the squad needs. It needs a little bit of competition. I thought all the signings we made this summer, I thought perfect. We need the mm. squad depth. We also need the competition in one or two of those key positions. At the moment, a lot of those new signers must be wondering what on earth they've done. Like, what's the point? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. What's the point of being there? Um, they could have gone to somewhere else and started been playing every week. And at the moment, it just they, they walked into a squad where it's like it's just eleven favourites. And yeah, you'd be lucky to play. Uh, you, you can play the Conference League games. You'd be lucky to get twenty minutes at the end of a Premier League game. Mm. Uh, what's the point? Uh, we spent one hundred and seventy million. They're struggling. They're probably exactly. like they must on. be looking at it going. If you're corner you at the moment, I'm going. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, I yeah. look the most dangerous of your forward players. Yeah. Get me on the pitch. Like get get that Spanish bloke off. Get me on the pitch. Yeah, I suppose. Well, look, Jamesy, look, we've, we've done this for quite a long time. I just want to read out some stats. 37 points. And this is from a completely rogue Twitter account. So just the one you sent I, me? Yeah, I haven't backed it up either. I don't I don't know where point. those those stats have come from. I tried verifying earlier and I couldn't find them. But yeah, oh, right, cool. fine. Well, I'll read them out. Cool. 37 points in the last 35 games. Two wins in the last 14 Premier League matches. Five clean sheets in 10 months, 19th in sprints, 20th in tackles, 18th in possession, one in the final third, 16th for shots on target, 19th for chances created, and 19th for average possession. I verified the tackles one, actually. I did see that at the PR bottom. Okay. Um, the That's that's for this season, the last ones, isn't it? Other than the first three. The Premier League form is worrying. I don't know. James, really, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say because think... you can't ignore the amazing stuff that's happened as well. We're winning in Europe again this season. I, I'm not sure. Oh, right, that's what I was going to ask you. Sorry, that, that's what I wanted to end on, Jonesy. Do you think that Declan Rice's desire that 
David Moyes is giving the okay to, to get forward, to try and develop his attacking game, is holding us back. Because he doesn't play like that for England, which is when he plays his best football. He is trying to play like that for West Ham, which I think is to be able to sell himself as this all-round box-to-box. He wants to be a Lampard-esque star midfielder. I honestly don't think... I mean, maybe we'll have it in him long-term. I don't know. But I think him trying to be that player is holding West Ham back. I would happily revert back to, because I think it would be better for the team, Declan Rice being an out-and-out holding midfield player and having Suchek bomb forward. Because it wasn't... People forget... That first season he had with us when he was superb, he didn't just score set pieces, did he? He scored no. from open play and he was bombarding into the box. Um, see, very similar to uh, the one he got at Tottenham against Tottenham the other week. Yeah, He scored lots of goals at that as well. I am of the opinion that, I don't know this for, for, yeah, for certain, Declan Rice has, has been keen to develop that side of his game as well for his future prospects to make him a more all-rounded midfielder. He said he must have scored 10 goals a season, didn't he? Yeah. Well, that was probably part of the, some sort of conversation that was had about around him staying. All right, I'll stay, but on the proviso that this happens. And I don't think, I think it's detrimental to the team. I think, like, see, don't see him doing that for England, do you? No, but I think it's only detrimental to the teams because his, Suchek is unable to play the role that, yeah, so, right, fine. that's okay. You've got a good holding midfielder. Let him yeah. play holding midfield. Yeah. You've got someone who's good at going yeah. forward, which is Suchek. Let him go forward. The, the, We're not the, doing that. The, the, the thing is, though, is that Declan Rice can play, Rice can play that role. Right? We know he can play that role. Right? The holding role or? Both. He can do both roles. He, he plays like the holding role better. He plays the holding role better, but we know that when he gets forward, we know how effective he can be. But it's so many times last but, season. But based on what? what right, is, show me the goals or assists. Like what, what are you talking? He, he, I don't last season, that. he scored what, six, six goals last season. Okay, not, I mean it's not Frank Lampard level. Pens? Just scoring twenty-five, no pens. Um, I think he might have scored one actually. Um, but this is what I'm saying: is that we've, we've managed to bring in a, a, a holding midfielder to allow him to do that not getting the game time. Last year, we had Mark Noble. Mark Noble would come off the bench. He'd sit a bit deeper and then that would allow Rice to go a bit forward and Noble can, can sweep up behind him. Um, Noble even said in a recent um, in a recent interview that that's exactly what uh, he told Rice to do. He was like, when I get on the pitch, you bomb forward and I'll sweep up. And I, th- I think in that, game, that particular game he was talking about, he went and scored. I think it was against Vienna in the, in the Europa League. So... He's good at that position. He, when he gets in the box, he can be effective. But I see what you're saying. It's detrimental. I'm just not having that. Sorry, I'm just not having it. I, mean, I don't. I, no, you can't tell me any team. If you're going to stick with Suchek, right? They they need to swap positions, <clears> right? Okay. Answer me this then. Answer me this. Who do you think is most effective in attacking positions out of Thomas Suchek and Declan Rice? Suchek. Right. Yeah. And who do you think's better at the holding midfield uh, position? Suchek's better at arriving late in the box, right? And attacking attacking set pieces. Well, what's Harrison got to say? I can hear Harrison in the background, Jonesy. Oh, he's, he's obviously he's got. Out. He's probably hearing what you're saying. No, he's about, I don't know what's going on. The guy's um, two years old. Even, even he knows what you're saying. It's complete rubbish. Get him on. 
don't know what's going on. He's, he's crying. He's crying because we're 18th in the Premier League. Clearly, um, but then Rice is good at travelling with the ball, getting the ball forward, and, and and stuff like that. So you've got two players that are good, good going forward in their own right. But we like, but everyone knows that Rice is the better holding midfielder. Mm. So yeah, so you're play right. him there. You're right. So you're play right. him there. It is, it is to the detriment of the team. Yeah, but I still feel like, regardless, Sutik is out of form. He's he's knackered. He needs like give him a few, give him a couple of games rest. Tell him to chill out. And I think his confidence has been eroded by being made to play in a position he's less good at. But I think that's the, the confidence. Yes, you're right. But confidence is also eroded for a lot of players that. Are, are just tired mm. of still being asked to play every single week, even though they've seen new bodies coming in. There'd have been a couple of those first team players gone, thank God I've got a bit of help now. And Tony being one of them. Like, yeah. Thank God I've got a bit of help. And then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, but you're playing every week still. So like, oh, come on, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you, you can have the you can have the nut off away at Silkerborg. Yeah. Really? Oh yeah, cheers, mate. But well, yeah, against against the, the team where I might not actually have to exert myself as much. Yeah. But yeah, cheers. Yeah. Listen, Josie, it's been fifty-two minutes. We've done a, a long intro. We've we've talked that uh to death, I think, the, the Everton one. Can I can I just no. add though on the David Moyes David Moyes' yeah. future? Sum up right. nicely. And I'll tell you what, you take us into the Silkerball review section. Uh okay, fine. Um well on David Moyes' future. Um I think that if he makes the changes that I've just been talking about or, or some of them, or at least just shows willingness to to mix it up a little bit in the, in the next few games, then I think he buys himself time because it shows that he's willing to, to try try new things and actually change and try and find a formula that works. If he doesn't and he remains stubborn and we don't get the results, then I think that that could potentially spell the end of David Moyes' time at the club because you, know, you can't, if, you, if you're not willing to try and fix something that's clearly broken, then you know we're not going to ever get back to the levels that we've that we've been competing at over the last two years. Um, and unfortunately, the signs aren't also good in the Conference League. Um, after, uh, yeah, we've won two games, but was ropey, me, it was ro- it was ropey against Silkeborg, wasn't it? It was ropey against Silkeborg, and we'll chat about that next. Superb transition there, Jonesy, into the Silkeborg section. Um, just one little light-hearted note. Did you see the video of a reporter calling David Moyes Moisey? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, right, there's a swear coming up um, for anyone who's not so keen on those. But, um, yeah, David Moyes, a reporter in his press conference after the event game on Sunday, <laughs> said, Moisey, and then I, the question was a bit muffled. It was along the lines of, so, Moisey, what did you make of that performance? And he went, Moisey, fucking hell, I didn't realise we were that close. And he was laughing at it, but you could tell he was like fuming about it. Um, and I was on the radio the other day. I went on Talk Sport to chat about West Ham. And uh, I said Moisey on air, but actually it was just a little bit unprofessional. And I was like, oh, God, no. Um, I shouldn't have said that. But, yeah, you want to watch that, Jonesy, if you can. And anyone who hasn't seen it, just uh, just type in uh, Moisey Reporter on Twitter and you'll find him uh, <laughs> kicking off. It was quite funny. Um, Silkeborg, then. 
brilliant uh, transition into this section from you, James. Uh, 3-2 with one. That is the uh, only positive, excuse me, thing about our season so far is that we're top of our conference league group. Two games, two wins. I said to you that we were going to go unbeaten the entire campaign after you valiantly trialed, tried but failed to convince me that uh, our conference league group was tougher than our Europa League group. <laughs> Such was, and I quote, the Champions League pedigree of the teams <laughs> we're facing, <laughs> none of whom have played in the competition since 2004. Um, but they're playing on an AstroTurf pitch. They were controlled. They controlled it for large parts of the game. A couple of little blips and some very, very decent finishing from Silkeborg, to be fair. Uh, and save a last gasp challenge from Vladimir Sufau. It could have been three all, but it could also West Ham could have also scored six or seven, which uh, David Moyes, not Moisey, alluded to. And you know, I I understand the concern afterwards. I think twinned with our Premier League form that is sort of the mood of fans at the moment and on Twitter it was like hang on have we just won a European away game yes we have like two years after or two seasons after nearly getting relegated from the Premier League not having had Europe for however many years before we've just won away in Europe to go to maintain our lead at the top of our group um We've scored three goals away. Where what's happened to us? Where are we now? Where we're in such a short space of time? We're now moaning at wins away from home in Europe. Like, all right, it's Silkeborg, but it was on an AstroTurf pitch, and we've still won away in Europe. Like, I, that's the sort of bit that I think, you know, context, please, everyone. Um, but yeah, three two. Decent victory. Didn't we did control the game for huge parts of it, um, and in the little bits that we didn't, Silkeborg did well to capitalise. Kasper Kusk put them up uh, one nil up. Sorry, on five minutes uh, with a very decent goal, very well worked goal. Uh, Manuel Lanzini's penalty after the softest penalty decision ever given mm. on uh, <laughs> for a supposed foul on Maxwell Cornet by their goalkeeper when it appeared their goalkeeper just came and claimed the ball. Uh, Skamaka hit an absolute rocket on 25 minutes to put us 2-1 up before big Craig Dawson uh, muscled through at a corner and shouldered one in in the way that only he can uh, before Soren Tengstead uh, got one back and made it for a nervy finish and made it 3-2 on 75 minutes. Josie, uh, I think after that big long Everton segment, can you find it within yourself to talk positively about that? Because I do feel, A, that just for our own sanity, we should. Um, but B, we've won away in Europe. All right, the opposition was weak. But I do think for large parts of it, we controlled the, we controlled the match and looked well, way good and should have put six past them. Yeah, we, we should have scored more than three. Um, and yeah, of course, I'm, I'm happy that we've, that we've won away from home in Europe and we're you know, six out of six and top of the group. Uh, but they're, they're... Right, okay. I, I've t- I was timing it then 13 seconds before the butt came, yeah. No, I, <laughs> so you managed 13 seconds don't of positivity. After like, I asked it, for. <laughs> you go 1-0 down after five minutes, and I mean, I wasn't concerned even when the goal went in, I was just starting, <clears> but you kind of like you, you backed us to get back into it and still win the game, which you know, within but by half time, it's 3 1. 
yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, great, like brilliant. But then go and score more, and I just felt like it got to what fifteen minutes to go, and um, they just took their foot off the gas and kind of almost just went, oh, well, let's just let's let, let's have Silkeborg have the ball for the last fifteen minutes to see if they can get back into it. And they almost <laughs> did. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean it's a good win. It's a good win. I'm I'm, I'm happy that we won. Don't worry, I'm not upset that we won. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> it sounds very much like you're but upset. That I just we felt won. like that that could have gone the other way. It it could have very very. It wasn't like um, FCSB where it went three one and then you know it was cruising from there on out. That that was wasn't cruising against Super Bowl. Those last fifteen minutes in particular, they had a few chances and they could have they could have nicked something and like. We shouldn't have been in that situation. And I said it right at the beginning, uh, right early on, um, it was in the Everton section, like Cornet was frustrating the life out of me. Decision-making in the final third would really, really annoy me. Um, a couple of chances, I think you could Cornet's have played. the one you're desperate to start in the Premier League, right? Um, yeah, well, he shoots more than everyone else on average. But some of his decision-making against Silkeborg was just, just like, oh, my God, like, mate, just play the ball earlier. I think. I think Skamaka had a, had a pop at him at one point. Just went play it earlier, um, but but yeah, it was a, it was a good performance. I think you're right. We did dominate the ball, but then when it got to maybe the last 15 minutes, I think we kind of decided that we'd had enough of dominating the ball. And to be fair, we have problems dominating the ball. Like for the last three years, we've really struggled to dominate nice. games and, um, and and make the most of it. You do that in a plastic pitch. You know, this, it, uh, Dawson come out. I'd love to see him back on the score sheet, by the way. What, what a lovely man. Um, so good to see him smile again. Um, but Carl, Carl kept calling him Ballon. In yeah, the, uh, big Ballon. The BT Sports studio. Love it, yeah. love it. But yeah, like, he came out after and said, you know, it, it, as a professional footballer, it's quite difficult. Before and I was like, really? It's just a AstroTurf pitch in it. But he, mm. he said that he, it does affect the way, that, the, the way they play a little bit. Fine. Who am I to question the big man? Um, but but yeah, I think that had they just been a little bit more clinical, which has been our problem all bloody season so far, isn't it? Like just lack of clinicalism in front of goal. Clinicalism a word? I don't know. Is it? Oh god, I'm glad I mean, you think, got in there. I think I think we've had lack this. I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Clinicalism. I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, we we definitely have, you know, and I think Pretty it was sure. me. I, I mean, obviously, I. Obviously, don't remember what we speak about on this podcast. So, yeah, we definitely have. Uh, mm. Right, I'm googling it as we speak. Um, so, I, I, do you know what? I, I think some, yes, I do remember this. I someone do tweeted this. The, the the definition, didn't they? An emerging theory in legal pedagogy. Yep. <laughs> and I assume that's exactly the way well, you were using it. Then was we, it? we need exactly. more of that. We need yeah, more yeah. of that in front of government. Craig Dawson and West Ham need far more emerging theories in legal pedagogy. Yeah, so we, be might, yeah, we yeah, might score enough. more goals if that were the case. Well, but... I don't know how you would word that. Um, we need to be more clinical or we lack a clinical touch in front of goal. Yeah, yeah it's a strange yeah. one. All right, mate. Yeah, well, yeah. we found another little glitch in the English language. Um, but yeah, it's just come full circle because I spoke about that before. Anyway, go on, carry on with your point. Um, well, that is my point. Is that yeah, it's good to win, uh, but there was still still a number of issues that were that were very clear, particularly in attack. Um, the uh, Skimaka's goal was was a wonderful finish. Shows that you know he, he, he got very good finish on him. Play mm. him more, please. 
Um, but yeah, I think it's very difficult to to really read much into it other than the fact that we fell asleep for the last fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Did the uh, did you hear the new chant as well? The Craig Dawson chant. I I saw a video of it and I couldn't work out the lyrics, so I I right. uh, I, I searched yeah. it on uh, on Twitter and someone did tweet the lyrics out. Um, yeah, do you? Like, I, I was, like it. You you with it? I was going to, um, I was going to give it a go. Are you sort of? I've got the lyrics in front of me. To be fair, mate. Right. I just need the. Can you remember the tune? If you can give me the tune, I think I've got it. Oh. Right. Right. There you go. He's Craig Dawson. He cost a million pound and he's awesome. He crosses the ball and he scores them. He's Craig Dawson. Um, I might have got it wrong. He crosses the ball and he scores them is sort of what I heard. Now, if you cross the ball, he'll score them. Isn't that... Ah, that makes loads more sense. If you cross the ball, he'll score them. them. Yeah, Because I was like, I'm pretty sure he never crosses the ball. <laughs> I mean, it'd be weird if you crossed crossed the ball in and then scored and the scores. cross that you put in. You could, you could. You Mate, how glad he stayed, by the way. Blimey. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, come it. on. Blimey, no. what is going on? What's happened here? There's just going to be another load of negativity. No, I'm, just you went, yeah, I'm just so going. glad that he stayed. This is how you must you must have felt for about two and a half years on this podcast it, when I was a pessimistic. Whenever one. I whenever I open my mouth, you just expect negativity to come. <laughs> you just, I don't know if it's your demeanour this morning, mate, or it's because it's 10 45 a.m. or whatever. But you just went, Yeah, like, come on, I'm trying to extract some sort nah, of no, I, I am happy. I'm happy you stayed. I don't do what we do, do you want me to set off fireworks or something? It's well, just like, just have a party. And go, yeah, you're right, mate. That is a positive. Yeah, it is a positive. It is a positive. I feel like I feel like Jonesy that West Ham's current form, you're, you're finding it hard to see any positives at the moment. Yeah, I am a little bit. I am a little it feels bit. Like you're being um, quite affected by all of this. It has affected me because I just keep looking looking back at the last two years and going, just thinking, is that all we're going to get? Mm. Is that really all we're going to get? And then we're just going to just kind of step back into. Mediocrity, Mediocrity relegation battles. Just look back with misty eyes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just kind of. I'll look at. I'll always look back at that night in Leon and just remember that as being yeah. the peak of being a West Ham fan. And it's kind of go well. But yeah, that was that was a good time. That was a good time. That, but I just hope that's well, not some, the case. You mentioned Leon away there, Jonesy. Absolutely phenomenal evening. Uh, someone posted a video of that yesterday and the bit where Moisey came out on the pitch and we were all there singing. Yeah, uh, we've got super David Moyes, and One moment. The, the the Twitter account was saying, "Don't worry, it'll come," and posted that video, and I was like, "Never ever let that man leave our club. It'll come back. We'll be all right. Don't worry about it." But this this is the thing that's upsetting me a lot as well is that and I said it right at the beginning, like the the memories that that man has has given us. I've never wanted it to work so much for one manager. I, yeah. I've, Desperate for it to work because I want it, I want him to be the one that takes us on that journey even more, and I want him to be in charge because what he's given us and where he took us from in such a short space of time, and like I've got so much love and respect for the man um, that I just yeah I, it would just be it would be harder to take if he didn't see out the season and mm-hmm. like it went apart so quickly that just be it'd be a kick in the teeth because. 
Yeah. We didn't really see this coming, this start to the season. It's just and a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it is a shame. It's kind of rained on our parade a little bit because after two great years, what we achieved, nice that we had. We're only seven games in now. I mean, we are only seven games in, but that's, that's just, yeah. there are, it's not like we've been incredibly unlucky for seven games running. Yeah, we've had a couple of seasons gone out, gone against. Yeah, not in the Forest and Chelsea. Not in the forest that's and four Chelsea. points there. Right. But, like, we're seven games in and there's, there's issues. We've gone through them and there are issues that David Moyes has got to sort out. He's got to make a decision on them. Otherwise, he won't see out the season. And that's not going to be down to whether the fans are demanding it to go or not. The fact is, the couple need to make a change. Yeah, yeah. Spent 170 million quid in the summer. Can't afford to be in a relegation battle because that's too risky. Mm. So, they're going to be forced into make a change if he doesn't start making changes soon, I think. Yeah, I feel you, mate. I feel you. Um, right, we've got Two, we got Wolves at home on the 1st of October, which is just shy of uh, two weeks from now, isn't it? Yeah, it's about 11 days' time. Um, and then we've got Anderlecht away on the 6th in the Europa Conference League before we face Fulham on the Friday night. What a busy week of podcasting that's going to be for the pair of us, Jonesy. Um is that likely to change? Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm absolutely losing the plot here. So, yeah, Saturday the 1st of October is Wolves at home. Uh, the 6th of October, which is a Thursday, is Anderlecht away. And then we go to, uh, we host Fulham, excuse me, on the Sunday uh, at 2 o'clock. So, some big games. Anderlecht again uh, straight after that on the 13th. If we beat Anderlecht, Jonesy, we're, we're top of um, our Conference League group. Uh, on six points, and Lecter got four. If we beat them, you know, group, group one. It's, well, good as certainly qualification secured, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, listen, um, that's the two look backs on Everton and Silkeborg. Let's have some brief final thoughts from the two of us next. Right, there we have it. Then Jonesy. I mean, you found it hard this week, haven't you? You found it hard. I've, I've genuinely, I haven't felt this. I know a lot of the time we go head to head. There's like that faux sort of needle between us. This is the first week for a while. I've genuinely been like, oh, I think he's actually a bit cross. <laughs> it's getting to you all this, isn't it? I don't know yeah, if you don't even. You're not the sort of bloke normally. If you're tired or whatever, you you don't let that affect your mood too much. You're a positive bloke on the whole. Um, but I don't know, last couple of weeks, it's the tables have turned a bit on this podcast and it's like I'm the one trying to extract positivity out of you rather than looking on the doom and gloom side of things. Uh, and, yeah, it's getting to you, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, the Everton game's changed me a little bit. The, it's the, changed me. Yeah. Oh, it's changed Christ. the way I've looked at things. Like I, I genuinely thought we were turning a corner. Uh, and... Moise even said it after the game. He was like, "Yeah, I, we, I thought we'd turned the corner, and cl- clearly we haven't. Like, just, like, just kind of not going anywhere at all. We've scored three goals in seven games. Like, it's not good enough. Um, I know we've only played seven games. It's thirty-one more to play in the league. But fact is, if you look at you know what we did last year to finish seventh, like we've got to win, like." Like 16 of our next games to get anywhere near 16 of the 31 games the rest of the season to get anywhere near where we finished last season in terms of points. 
Mm. That's not happening. Like, the fact is, we're not going to finish in the top seven. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if we did. I find um, that hard, mate. After after the amount of games we've played, Man City and Tottenham as well. Who yeah, but then we've not. But, but then we've not beaten Everton. We've not beaten Forest. Yeah. Um, be in forest. We've played Chelsea as well. Nah, mate. I'm ref- oh, nah. I'm, I'm not having it. I'm not having it. Hey, not yet. Like, not if you, if you not look yet. at the, our, our record over 38 games over the last two seasons, yeah, right? and then look at what we're on currently right now with how many games we've got left to play. Yeah, right? you look at what's needed to even match last season in terms of games won, drawn, and lost. Right? We lost 10 games last season. Right, we've already lost five. We've got 31 yeah. games to play. Yeah, we won 17 last season. We won one with 31 games to play. Right, it's, I just don't see us getting to that level, which is fine, right? Which is fine. But what I don't want us to be doing is been sitting in the relegation battle all season. At the moment, nah. we're in relegation form. Like we've got, we've got to pull ourselves away from it quick, right? And then start battling for top ten, right? I yeah. think I think top seven is going to be beyond us a little bit. Sit in, the, sit in the top 10, see what happens. At least then, okay, we might have gone backwards one or two places, but we haven't gone backwards, if you know what I mean. And we're going to win the Conference League. We are going to win, gonna the, win the Conference League, league which, will, which will kind of, it will help, it will kind of soften the blow of not finishing the top seven again. Hey, joking, um, I'll take win the Conference League. Finish 100%. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just think yeah, All right, listen, it's no, just I, affected me a little bit. The fact that I, yeah. I didn't really see the start of the season coming. I was so optimistic yep. going into the season. And now we've won one out of seven. It's just like, oh, really? Yeah. Well, now we're finishing on a positive note, Jonesy. We've played Manchester City, Tottenham and Chelsea. So those are three games where you can realistically put those down as defeats anyway, which has only left us with four games, which should be winnable. Uh Brighton, of course, we've played them already. So I think that's that's a defeat every season anyway. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So City, Tottenham, Chelsea, Brighton, four of those seven are games we always lose, or like which you can put those down for losses. So we've only had three winnable games this season, really. And we were robbed at Chelsea anyway, so we should have got a point there. We got a point against Tottenham. Uh, so those are two bonus points we should have had. So we'll give us the one at Chelsea. Three winnable games. One of them's away at Villa. Good away win. One of them's away at Everton. All right, you lose that, which isn't ideal. And we definitely should have beaten Nottingham Forest. That was like a one in a million that they came away with the win, let alone even a point they didn't deserve. We missed a penalty, hit the bar and it bounced down in front of the line twice, which never happens in for weeks on end. Seriously unlucky. I genuinely, genuinely think we have had a bit of rotten luck as well. I think our table, we shouldn't be as low down the table as we are. The performances haven't been good, but with a bit more luck, we could have, we could be further up the table and it wouldn't be such a dramatic nightmare. We've got three very, very difficult games out of the way already, or four, if you include Brighton, uh, City, Tottenham and Chelsea. We've got, I understand where the concerns have come from, but we've got, Two home games coming up in the league um, before Southampton uh, and then Liverpool and Bournemouth. All right, the Liverpool game will be difficult at Anfield, but Bournemouth, Southampton, Fulham and Wolves are our next four Premier League opponents. I understand what you're saying about we need to get the points on the board, but I do think we can be patient. I do think it's not a complete catastrophe. I think we're 
we're trending below where we'd like to or where we'd like to be at this stage of the season. But realistically, I think we should perhaps have, you know, we'd like to have nine to ten points by now, which I don't think we've been a million miles off getting in those that Chelsea game. We could have won. We were the better team against Tottenham. I, I think, I know why it's difficult. I think we can take some positives. I agree with you that we need to start seeing them soon. But take me to the end of that. Um, at the end of October, right, we play Man United away on the 30th of October. Uh, we could have, well, we should have, we'd have played Silkeborg in the second game. We'd have played Anderlecht twice in the Conference League. Our Conference League group could be won and qualification for the knockout stage is confirmed. And if we win two of those games against Southampton, Wolves and Fulham, which I think is doable, I know maybe you allow one defeat in there. We get six points out of those uh, and win the Conference League group. I think that's all right. That's enough to go on. And then the World Cup's coming up. You have a regroup and you go again. There you go. There you go. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine, Jonesy. I don't disagree with you, but I wouldn't feel this bad if we were scoring goals in the Premier League and we're just not. That'll come. Uh, We've scored three goals. One was a massive deflection. Some would say four hours meant it. But, like... (laughs) I don't know. Like, yeah, okay, we should have picked up more points. We've been unlucky. The fact is, if you don't score goals, you don't win games. And at the moment, we're not scoring. If we scored 10 by this stage and we still only had four points, I'd be like, yeah, I can see where we can turn it around. At the moment... Genuinely, though. Genuinely, no goals. Right? The no two goals. Crossbar, the crossbar and on the line once against Forrest and he missed a penalty. That is such bad luck. Ben Rama hits the post when he come on at the weekend. Probably that Again, that is unlucky. I'd do Jen Corner yeah. scored against Chelsea. It's unlucky. It should have been a goal. They, we, there's bad luck in there, mate. There is. Yeah, there is bad luck in there, but like, like a lot. The, it still says we've, we've only scored three goals nah, in seven nah, games. Nah. Come on, but you come get on. unlucky in those situations. But we've created far more chances than just just those ones. Like we need to be better in front <laughs> of goal. Yeah, we have. Like we need to be better in front of goal. Um, and. Right. If we if we start getting better in front of goal and actually scoring some goals, then I've no no doubt that we'll start climbing the table. But at the moment, I'm not seeing it. Well, look, I tried everyone at home. Whether you're of Jonesy's opinion or mine, I hope you've got someone. Uh, at least you've got someone to relate to, whichever one of us it is, either me or Jonesy. Um, the tables definitely have turned on this podcast. So, uh, but look, I, it, and even if you don't agree with either of us, if you fall somewhere between the two. Then I hope you enjoyed the dream chat at the beginning. At least you had 18 to 20 minutes of content that you might have enjoyed. Um, Other than that, though, easy to be doom and gloom at West Ham at the moment. Not looking very good in the relegation zone after seven games. Just one win and one draw from our opening seven in the Prem. With two wins from two in the Conference League with that victory over Silkeborg. International break coming up. So no opposition for you this week. That'll be it from me and Jonesy. But we'll be back. Next uh, next Tuesday, uh, of course, we'll be recording it Monday. You'll hear from us Tuesday next week. Uh, so keep the faith still. Keep the faith. James Jones might let you believe, might have you believe that it's doom and gloom, that Moisey, the best manager we've had in the modern era, has only got a few games left to save his skin. I don't. There's positivity in there. We never beat Brighton. Chelsea, Tottenham and Manchester City are difficult opponents. We've been unlucky in the Nottingham Forest game. Brilliant to see them struggling, by the way. Jonesy, I know you'll have absolutely loved them uh, losing against Fulham after being ahead. 
Uh, it looks like they might go down uh, <laughs> as you were desperately hoping for Love after it. our game at Love the it. city ground. Keep the faith at the moment, West Ham fans. West Ham are still massive. It may, <laughs> believe it or not, no matter what fans of other teams might tell you or what James Jones will have you believe, West Ham are still massive. There is hope yet, and we've got the Moisire in charge. All is not lost. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. Podcast Network.